recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. This is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. This is 10 Michael Bay movies at once. I'm Anthony. I'm David. I'm Katie. I'm Jim. And I'm Kurt's dad, and you're not. <laughs> Thank you, Chevy Chase. Uh, welcome to issue number 24 of the Crimson Cowl Comic Book Club podcast. Each and every Saturday, we meet here at the store at 4 p.m. and gather around the table to talk spoilers and non-spoilers for the books that we've been reading. First part of the show is going to be a spoiler discussion on the club picks. Then we jump uh, around the table to talk non-spoilers and uh, issues that we all bring to the table. And then we jump into the news. And to give you a little teaser for the news segment, we had a comic book creator show up here at the store today. So check out the news segment for more on that. Uh, we're going to kick it off with Avengers number 689, which is... Part 15 of 16 of the No Surrender storyline. We're getting close. In fact, if you didn't know how long this went, uh, and, and we'll get to that a bit more into the story, but the way it, it closes out this issue, um, it kind of leaves you thinking, wait, so what are they doing for 16? Mm. Yeah, and this one being a four ninety nine issue as well, because it definitely feels like it. And with the synopsis... One last battle against an impossible opponent. One last game with an astronomical stakes. With the fate of the Earth on the line, a cry goes out across the Marvel Universe. Avengers, assemble. So we left with uh, the Challenger basically coming to Earth and uh, after getting furious uh, with, the, with the ending of the cosmic game that they've been playing and he's been basically attacking and waging war on Earth, and uh, Voyager, the character uh, that we all know and love, <laughs> who later we found out was just uh, a memory, a uh, yes, all a <laughs> lie, and um, she's been inspired by the Avengers kind of teaming up, and she kind of led that battle cry of Avengers Assemble, which... That is what they're doing. They're going all around the world for these first couple pages. Yeah, actually, they, they switch up the format just a little bit on this issue because instead of opening the cover and getting this mm. that you get uh, a few pages in, about four or five pages in... You've got a cold open. You get you know, you know get your Avengers and the, the story thus far and everything in there, which normally that's like you open the cover and that's the first thing yeah. you get. They jump right into... Um, Avengers Actually, they, they the jump world. right into the champions is what they jump yeah. into. Yeah. Former yeah. Avengers uh, left to become the champions. Um, yeah, so we see everybody uh, all around uh, all around uh, the U.S., going from New Jersey and Texas and L.A. and Not only challengers, but you get Avengers who are really marginal Avengers in these first few pages, too. Iron Fist... Daredevil, you know. <laughs> America, even a, right. a devil dinosaur gets a... Yeah, gets a shot. <laughs> and they're all the ones that had been frozen. Yep. Yes. Yeah, very important thing. Which, which happened last issue, so if you haven't read that one, go pick that up. And at the very least, go back and listen to our last podcast, and that'll catch you up. So yeah, uh, first couple pages open up with that, with uh, disasters going around and everybody trying to uh, save all the people, and uh, we cut to that uh, cosmic game room as we've uh, seen the the world engine being uh, 
being generated by uh, Hercules and Citizen. Oh, yes. Four. Yes. Um, <laughs> Citizen Five. <laughs> as yeah, we've seen them kind formerly of formerly Sunspot. Yes, formerly yeah. Sunspot. Roberto so, yeah, we're just kind of touching base on all the where all the players are in this uh, opening issue. But then we see uh, the Grandmaster, uh, formerly the Grandmaster, um, kind of return. And he's, uh, he's uh, well, as you see on the cover, he is one of the, the main... Yeah, ha, you thought he was dead, but this is a comic book, yeah. so he's not. Pretty much. <laughs> um, and, and an important thing, like right from the beginning to note, is um, lightning... He's, he's zapped. He's used all of his power, all of his energy to get this world engine up and running um, to channel that lightning through um, Thor and get it powered. And he's just, he's just wiped. Um, so, and then of course, he kind of, he's the character who once again kind of leads us through the story. And we cut back to the Challenger who is uh, just showing up in the city and this, we got uh the rest of the Avengers basically all kind of taking turns to get their attack, and they have all these like color teams. They got the gray squad and uh, the blue squad, and we're not even talking about X Men here. Like there are some X Men. Yeah, you got Rogue, who's <laughs> in the, the gray squad, but uh... but yeah, so we start to get uh, all the color squads there. The Avengers as they all kind of take turns, and uh, and uh, the Wasp kind of gives a little pep talk to uh, Voyager with her kind of you know assembling this team and her wanting to be a part of it. That she uh, is going to try her best, and she's never uh, used her power against an elder, is what they mm -hmm. say, right? One of the elders of the universe. Mm -hmm. But she'll try! <laughs> As, yeah, she gets... Until uh, <laughs> he grabs her by the head. But she, she was, was going to try, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, then she kind of gets blasted. Oh, my favorite Avenger. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, they're all going uh, through there, and we have a fun little team up there as... Uh, one of, I, I was disappointed. Yes. Sorry, I didn't Squirrel Girl. No, yeah, I was disappointed. <laughs> the Squirrel Girls. In it. No, um, I was disappointed because uh, you get the other wasp because because mm. you had you have your Nadia Pym. Nadia Pym wasp is the one that was talking to Voyager, right. and then you have the original Janet Van Dyne. She tosses Hawkeye these arrows, and they're these special arrows and. Yeah, uh, you never got to see them work. You don't get to see what they actually do, sir. <laughs> mm, that's right. Yeah, I, I was disappointed I was, with that, I was too. waiting to turn the page and see what these things do. She talks them up, and she's like, have you ever, you know, seen this, do this? And These are nanite says, no. acid arrows. Yeah, and she's, <laughs> then savor the moment, and you turn the page, and you're back well, in your cosmic yeah. room. <laughs> Game room. <laughs> Maybe in the Marvel previews for July releases, we're going to get mm. Avengers No Surrenders, Hawkeye's Hawk. Arrows, number one. <laughs> <laughs> Hawkeye No Surrenders. <laughs> Um, and then we, uh, as Lightning was following, uh, the former Grandmaster, as he calls himself, uh, I forget what his real name is, he's got like three names. Uh, yeah, it's, I can't, it, it's, it's in there, Lightning picks right up on yeah, it. Yeah, Goss. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, going into there and, uh, seeing all of those, uh, people that we lost, uh, while they're all going around for those pyramids, we haven't said that word in several issues, um, <laughs> but yeah, we see, uh, Lightning see that, you know, they're, they're still alive. Um, Grandmaster is, uh, looking at his, his daughter who he kind of put into the field and, uh, refers to her as a waste as he was, she was going to be the, you know, the secret weapon and. But you and, actually get her actual name in here too, which I don't think it had been said before. They put it in the bold print. Vani? Yeah. Ah, okay. 
So yeah, Lightning is just trying to uh, figure out, you know, as he is depowered, like you had mentioned, um, he does what is uh, represented on the cover by suggesting a little game of what, poker? Strip poker. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> yes. Just poker, just poker. <laughs> just Texas Hold'em. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. He's, yeah, let's yeah. play some Hold'em. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the, the little uh, introduction to that, which will uh, carry on throughout the issue. But we're back to uh, the challenger as uh, Simon Williams once again wants to just talk it through as, as he does. And, uh, <laughs> Still doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not doing real well with that whole you know, Wonder no, Man talk to people. Yeah. It's Yeah, a couple times they've been able to use it to the effect of delaying something like, you know, the, the Hulk issue yeah. and whatever. But yeah, it's, it's not really working out the best for him. But he's Don't determined. He keeps yeah. trying. Yeah, he does. Yeah, like challenge, that. Challenger's comment of just saying, the strongest of you all, and he wanted to talk to me. And then uh, then referring to uh, this planet of gnats as we see the two wasps coming through, stinging them in the eye, and they, they proudly say, we are wasps. Um, but then <laughs> there's also Janet's line, that's what makes him the strongest, mm. is is that he's he's the only one who has the strength to not... Fight. Fight. Even though he's got the power, he has the strength to hold back and stick to his beliefs and, and uh, just talk. It's pretty admirable in the face of all this destruction to yeah, yeah. still stand up for what's important to you in your own way. And uh, yeah, we cut back to uh, the beginning of this card game as they're kind of discussing the stakes of uh, talking about you know Earth and the heroes and everyone just kind of you know yeah. putting in their chips, if you will. I'm not a card player, so I'm... Uh, some of this lingo could be over my head when you know I don't have any other. Well, what's what they do is they give you, they tell you what the cards are up on the table, and you see that the um, the grandmaster has a king of hearts and a king of clubs in his hand down. You don't know what lightning's got down, um, but because there's a bunch of hearts on, or I think it was hearts that were mainly on the field, you know he has a chance for a flush. So, <laughs> um. so yeah, uh, cutting back to the action, um, Squirrel Girl uh, gets a little, uh, lends a little insight into uh, Falcon and using his power of, uh, you know, communicating with birds and being able to see through their eyes. And he kind of jokes, well, not jokes, but just says, like, well, that's not going to work because... He's no. not a bird. Yeah, it's not how his powers <laughs> right, work. Right, and she suggests, well, maybe he's evolved from birds or dinosaurs or something. Or squirrels. <laughs> Give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah, he, he decides to try, and then sure enough, he goes, I'll be damned. <laughs> he's he's evolved from a plot device. Um, yeah, and this is another one of those where everybody's kind of, you know, using their powers together. You know, uh, we saw that in the last couple of issues. It just kind of working to boost Quicksilver's speed, and they kind of use those same kind of tactics here of just kind of using every uh, every inch of the Avengers' uh, power strength here. And then Squirrel Girl wants to start being... Conversational. The, the conversation. <laughs> oh, I thought we'd just talk to him. Yeah, she gets a good crack in there. Well, as, uh, what she wanted Falcon to do was become a vehicle for Synapse to be able to get into mm -hmm. his mind. And Synapse goes, oh, I'm in. I can hit his pain centers. And Squirrel Girl goes, well, I thought more we might have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, uh, let's see here. 
Then you have Rogue and Cannonball hitting them both at once. Then Squirrel Girl giving them a little kick. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just as the challenger feels like he's you know getting well, beat down, him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as you see a big uh, a sh- a Shrekram. Shrekram. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the translation. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, he's a little irritated by all of that, is what he says. And uh, <laughs> cut back to that card game once again. We'll take it to our card master. Well, uh, now the master, feeling like he has a pretty good hand, says, "Well, are you going to call? Are you going to fold?" And um, and we have kind of this inner dialogue going on in Lightning about being able to figure out what's in his head. And so he says, I raise. And what he basically raises is that... Check raise. Yep. The whole... Uh, he's already bet away the life of everybody on the planet and yeah. everything else. But he says, I'll also let you erase any memory of me. I'll just disappear from existence if you, uh, if you uh, accept my raise. Um, right. Every good I've ever done, every victory is erased, all of it. And so... Um, See, he, he knows his opponent, and he realizes that uh, that those stakes for someone who uh, has that ego like the Grandmaster does. You know, the Avengers, they're, as he puts it, he, they're not in it to, to be recognized and remembered. Um, but he realizes that his opponent in this game is. Yep. And so those stakes are a little too high for the Grandmaster. Yep. Yeah, so we uh, we get that there as they're playing out. Um, we have uh, the challenger basically. I think everybody just finally decided instead of like kind of taking turns, just yeah. to, let's just all go at it. At <laughs> let's <once>. get it. <laughs> Though we have other people who are just controlling the damage from it too. So you have Doctor Strange and Spider Man getting people out of the way as all this is falling. <laughs> And uh, Voyager has a little insight on it as well, um, as she is just uh, going through and kind of seeing what like a like a montage of the heroic moments of the Avengers mm-hmm. um, to kind of inspire. Uh, she goes, you know, remember what it means to be an uh, what was that? Rogue says it to her. Is that her? Oh, that's her. Remember um, what it means to be. Well, an first Avengers. of all, yeah, one so thing what, we missed is that. Thinking that they're done that they really have no chance of winning. Yeah, and the one thing we missed was that when uh, Lightning makes this great, the the Master just folds. Says, I fold. Yeah. <laughs> um, so because he would have to be erased as and known as a loser by if he took lost the bet, so mm-hmm. he folds and decides just to release everybody instead. And then he wants to know whether what he had. And yeah, I've got to. I've got to know. Was it just a bluff? What was your hand? You know. And uh, Lightning says, "Oh, honey, honey I, I don't, don't play." play. <laughs> <laughs> and they never actually. They they never actually do show his hand. Mm-hmm. Whatever, but uh, I mean, show him stacking the cards up again. Yeah. This that was really my favorite part of the whole issue is the whole thing between Lightning and. Uh, and the Grandmaster. I think that was just brilliantly done. And it's reminiscent of the first time I saw the Grandmaster in a comic book, too, which was mm. Defenders number, the annual number one, 
where he had taken the Defenders and Daredevil as his pieces. And after they won for him, he goes, well, I'm just going to take the Earth anyway, even though you guys won for me. (laughs) And Daredevil, then, is the one who challenges him to a flip of the coin. And he... um, he has an X on one side of a big chip, and on the other side it's blank. And he says, okay, call. Heads or tails and flips it, puts it on. He goes, and he lets Daredevil call, and Daredevil calls what it is. And sure enough, it is. He didn't realize Daredevil, through all of his um, his sensitivity, could tell which side it was going to fall. <laughs> Everybody else was going, how could you How could you bet the whole world on a flip of a coin? And Daredevil said, eh, it wasn't that big a bet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now another uh, another kind of point to look at too is um, you've got Lightning, who's one of those D-list Avengers, and he is well aware of it. He's he's had a lot of doubts throughout this whole, whole storyline because he realizes that you know he's not one of the big names. You know he doesn't even know why he's considered an Avenger, and mm-hmm. just all these all these doubts. And in the end, it's. But he's better him, than Hawkeye. He only shoots but, arrows. <laughs> but that we don't get to see. Yeah, after that. In the end, it's, it's it's him by himself, without even using his powers, who's able yeah. to defeat the Grandmaster and save the Earth. Right. And that was pretty much the same way it was in Defenders, too, because alongside uh, Daredevil, who was probably the least powerful of the people there, were Namor and Doctor Strange and the Hulk, but it's little Daredevil who... <laughs> Wins the day. And then uh, cut back to Voyager. She's kind of inspiring the Avengers, and we get that montage of all of them uh, being heroic over the years and uh, not retreating, and most importantly, no, no surrender. surrender. Yeah, we finally get the, <laughs> the name of the storyline actually in the book. Um, yeah, and then uh, as uh, all of them are kind of ganging up on the Challenger, we have... Uh, the Scarlet Witch kind of starting to amp up here. She's uh, powering up as we see into this uh, giant splash page here of uh, basically putting everything in. We got arrows and everyone yeah, else. This is one of those nanite arrows. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. There we go. Uh, but yeah, yelling out the Avengers Assemble is uh, they basically put, put all of their... Yeah, her spell is my favorite part of this book. Mm, That's cool. Um, so yeah, we kind of see his, uh, chest being blasted apart there as he's kind of laying in the smoking ruin, um, as the Avengers are all just kind of congratulating themselves and kind of recuperating, just kind of looking at everything and, and then, uh, a whole element of this entire book I completely forgot once we jump the, into... The Avengers who were left behind. Yeah, yeah. Pops back as <laughs> it's supposed to be. So Carol Danvers just kind of hanging out in space for the last, you know, 15 weeks or so. <laughs> or like however long time. Did they say it was like maybe a couple days or... Something like that. Uh, yeah. The yeah, feel not, is of yeah, how not, long uh, this is actually. Sure. Sure. But, yeah, it's been a couple yeah. months for us. It, but. it does actually, <laughs> having this kind of made me think, well, I wonder if they're going to go back and have some other storyline that'll explain what happened to the moon during all of this, because yeah. it's back, too, and that wasn't even part of the game. <laughs> that wasn't part of the bet. We have a whole new, whole other issue to go through. <laughs> so, yeah, go. maybe that's what they're doing with the next one, is we're going to find out what happened with the moon. And the Alpha Flight just kind of shocked that just everything just kind of popped back to normal and just like, all right, well, it was... Good for them there, you know. Problem solved. They have no idea what just happened there. But I hope all of the 
Alpha Flight members can now get back to their local comic book shop, pick up the issues they've missed, and <laughs> listen back at the podcast. Check it out. Yeah. They didn't have Wi-Fi out there, so they haven't heard these episodes of the podcast either. But that's okay. You can download them and listen to them at your leisure. There we so. go. Perfect plug. Um, so yeah, they're all just kind of. Uh, you know, we see Kitty and Colossus as well too. We see Wakanda. Everybody just kind of coming together, um, and uh, yeah, kind of a. Like you had said in the beginning, kind of feels like here's the last issue of this. Yeah, it wraps it up all neatly, and you you get the sense like this this could have been the last issue of of this story, based on you know what they're seeing, what you're seeing, and how they finished up. It's it says in seven days the conclusion, but this if they'd have left it here, it would have it would have been like fine. a conclusion. But if you look at the cover for the next one, which they have all the way in the back. You get the idea of what's going to come. The, some of the people who are most affected by what happened here are going to have to figure out some new realities for themselves. Wanda's lost her brother. Um, the Hulk has now returned as the immortal Hulk, and what's his life going to be like? Um, suddenly, everybody's been down on Hawkeye, but he didn't kill Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner's there. So... <laughs> what's his life going to be like now that that's uh, twisted around Thor is going to go off to die <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Captain America spent the whole, almost the whole time in stasis right? <laughs> so he's probably wondering as leader of the Avengers what's that mean <laughs> and, uh, and, and even once he was released that you didn't you know they didn't uh, use him yeah this and, and that's um, that's a big part of this Avengers story is um, they used a lot of Avengers but they didn't use you know the heavy a, hitters a lot they didn't use the main the main Avengers the ones that are getting their own Book, book and whatever those aren't the... I mean they use Voyager a lot yeah so, so, so at least they had one A-lister in there okay. <laughs> well but the other thing for Captain America is gonna that's gonna be interesting is the one they erased to put Voyager in when you look at who the original Avengers was was Captain America and so uh, certainly what must go so everyone can just forget me they can just pop someone else in my place mentally in people's minds, and I will become a non-entity. Um. <laughs> yeah, but well, <laughs> they, and they made it. You know, I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but they were very clear that the one who was missing from the they didn't just add her in; they took Captain America out. But Captain to put her America in. wasn't actually an original Avenger. Within a few issues, he was, yeah, and usually... <laughs> Issue four, I think, is when he came yeah, out of the I ice. mean, it was, it was pretty quick, because, yeah, Hulk left, and immediately, you know, they, they had Cap to replace him, so... Yeah, I'm trying to remember some of the, the some of those flashback shots now to, to see if Cap is, in fact, in any of them. No, he's not, and I think some of the shots, I haven't read, like, the original Avengers for years, but some of them were shots where she's in the place where Cap would have been in the picture. Okay, I remember her being <laughs> thrown into different, you know, those yeah, places. Yeah, yeah, they had uh, just a shot here and a shot there from various, very Trump, early yeah, um, Avengers well, you bring up an interesting point because in Cap's main book, I don't know how this matches up with time, but 
he's in the future after having been frozen again. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of be interesting how they're going to work with that. Yeah, and that's one of those titles that, you know, when you have something like this going on and everybody else has their own book, and like, you know, since there weren't tie-ins, you know, there was no other series that honored, you know, what was going on here. Like, even to be really picky with the devil dinosaur, like, you know, he was gone for a long time. And, you know, the, with him just being just a fun little panel, you know, it's... But he hasn't really been connected with Moon Girl for... Right, yeah, right. Yeah. So it is kind of difficult to figure out exactly where this storyline falls into place with the rest of Marvel's continuity. Because um, it seems like it, it's got to be before certain things... But after, but after other, other things. things. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just how, it, even, like, looking at Thor, too, is, you know, the same thing. Well, she was going through some... Has very... to be after Civil War. Well, because you've got the space station where Danvers is, that's that wasn't really established until you got to the Civil War series. Right. Um, it's... Or, I mean, Secret Empire, not Civil War. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's after Secret Empire. Um... It's you still have Jane Foster's Thor, Thor. So before but the... but Devil Dinosaur, <laughs> Moon Girl. Yeah. I think the one thing that uh... and, and well, I was just gonna say, and that's not even. Uh, I don't think Devil Dinosaur is even back into that comic. Just yeah. very recently, they were able to bring him back okay. in, but because I, I know they are bringing him back in, and then it goes back to being, you know, Moon Girl and Devil, Devil Dinosaur. Dinosaur. Yeah, he's been gone since, like, November, but this last issue kind of ushered him back in. But yeah. uh, but I think the one thing that we will be positive on, on the timeline and where it all fits, is that all of this takes place right before issue number 690, which will wrap it up and we'll talk <laughs> about right. that next <laughs> yeah. week. We'll join back in next week to get the, the last spoiler issue. So shall we move on to the non-spoilers? Yes. Welcome to the non-spoiler section in which we go all the way around the table and talk about the issues that we've uh, been reading in a non-spoiler fashion in uh, order to promote it to those listening and reading at home. And uh, we're going to kick it off with the big title, a very uh, monumental landmark issue, if you will. Uh, Action Comics number 1000 from DC Comics. And uh, this comic was represented with uh, many different uh, decade covers uh, throughout all of the years that Superman has been around. Um, I myself got the main cover, which was done by Jim Lee, as well as getting the 60s variant, which was done by my favorite artist, Mike and Laura Allred. As we go around the table, uh, what kind of covers did you get there, David? I also uh, picked up two of them. I got the main one. And then... Um... You know, like we we were talking earlier, um, Dan Jurgens is he's spent a lot of time on uh, doing Superman writing and, and art and um, and like I had said before, um, he's kind of like the Chris Claremont you know was to the X Men, but for for Superman, he's done so many Superman uh, stories. Over the years, you know, he's done long run, runs and then left and come back and um, done some other ones and um, and he's recently leaving again. Um, but a huge portion of the Superman comics that I've read as long as I've been reading Superman comics has been, you know, has involved Dan Jurgens. 
So I thought it would be fitting to get, you know, that one for, for me personally. I have the main cover that I believe was drawn by Jim Lee. Yes. Really nice. I'm excited to take a look at it. I also have the Jim Lee cover. I considered getting the 70s, but at the time we had to order them, they didn't give us a preview of what they would look like. Yeah, so. that was one of those. You had to go online, and uh, they didn't offer that like right away in the print version. That's why like when I saw Mike Allred, regardless of what the era was, um, when I saw there was an all red one, I'm like, well, I'm getting that no matter what. And I kind of had an idea of what it would look like just because you know the style of art, and uh, so it was a win. And I, I like, you know, that he went that extra mile in doing his uh, his cover, like Allred did. When um, the title and all that stuff that he's got on that one, um, he actually put that in himself. Uh, all the stuff that you see on these where it says action comics and everything else that's something that uh, was put in you know post art you know handed in um, he he added all of that himself he did you know the the checkerboard thing that they used to have back then um, and and everything he he submitted that as part of the art so even when you look at the original art it's still gonna look like the the cover with the action comics number 1000 and all that uh, right on there. And I got the 50s cover um, by Dave Gibbons and Ag Angus McKee. Um, I got this one because it reminded me of the comics I read as a kid. I didn't, I actually was reading it in the 60s, not the 50s, but the kind of art and stuff was very much like this, and it reminded me of stories like Mixelplex and <laughs> were kind of this sort of thing, and even the Legion of Superheroes had this same sort of look, so I went with the 50s cover. Good, good. Uh, this kind of anniversary issue is one of those where they just give you multiple uh, short stories, um, just kind of celebrating the character. Sometimes you'll get an anniversary that'll be all just like one story, maybe a backup. Uh, but you have uh, multiple creators, tons of talent working on here. And I figured for the non-spoilers segment, uh, we can kind of go around the table and kind of talk about just overall, like some of the favorite ones I liked. Um, five Minutes, uh, The Car... Faster Than a Speeding Bullet, and The Truth, which was Brian Michael Bendis' uh, debut. But uh, out of all of them, I think The Car by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner, art by Olivier Coipel, um, told a very interesting story about uh, that classic cover with, uh, with that green car, as, you, uh, as we've all seen many a times. And uh, it was fun to kind of dip into that world and uh, kind of figure out like what happened moments after that was drawn, if you will. Yeah, actually, it was it was really uh, kind of a, a cool thing that they went all the way back to the first Action Comics, number mm -hmm. one, you know, and, and picked up and followed up on that story, which even back then they didn't do, um, you know, a Action Comics, they come out and you could read each of those stories and they pretty much stood alone. After a little bit, they started throwing in some elements that, that continued on, um, but uh, but the way that just the way that the comics were back then, I mean, you didn't have to read every issue of something to to follow it and see what was going on, and you rarely got to see, you know, any anything from the the villain of the month or or whatever. They they didn't have repeating one, um, and uh, you know, so. 
that's unusual, pretty much unheard of to to have somebody, especially a, an unknown um, villain or bad guy from from an issue, come back and, and be put in um, in a, in a follow up, and definitely for it to be one thousand issues later, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and all these short stories, like the ones I had mentioned there, really, I mean, I enjoyed most of them in this book. There weren't, you know, too many. Like, I think there was more wins than losses, at least for my for my taste. Superman character that, uh, and I never subscribed to the books. I definitely, you know, read some Superman in Action Comics and all your Death of Superman and, you know, Lois Lane Wedding and all that fun stuff. I've read, like, you know, classic things like that, but... Uh, what really drew me to this, uh, outside of just the idea of owning a comic that reached 1,000 issues, was Brian Michael Bendis moving over from Marvel to DC. He writes the last story in this book, which is a little preview into what he's going to be telling as they advertise The Man of Steel, issue number one through six, which will be a weekly event that will kick off shortly. And this is just a tiny little taste of him, you know, taking over these books uh, in the next couple months here so i came into it with that interest and left pretty happy and uh really enjoyed it all together as a 80 page giant you have a much more superman uh devotion yeah and um and that's probably one of the reasons uh that for me um i i don't hear a lot of people mentioning this when they pull out specific stories but the, the first one in here from the city that has everything um which, again, this story is um, done by Dan Jurgens. He was the writer and artist with it. And so for when I first cracked into this book, um, that's what I see. And just from the very first page on there, I get the art, you know, the trunks are back, okay? And that, that you know, but you open this, and I felt like I was opening a comic from, you know, the late 80s, the 90s, you know, right in that era, um, the, the time that I started reading these. Um, so that was really cool to read this story and get that look and feel um, that really um, put, put me back there to when I was first reading it, when I first started picking up Superman and, uh, and Action Comics off the rack. So um, that, that was a, a nice way to, to start off this this book um, but yeah there was there was uh, some stories in here that were really I can't say that there's any stories in here that I just you know kind of shook my head at and um, and didn't like some some though definitely were were better um, and and for various reasons um, but uh, yeah the, the car was was a good one um, and of course, Bendis' story in the back, because for me, there's that nervousness. Okay, somebody else is taking over my book here, <laughs> you know, and what's it going to be like? And it's brief, you know, so, um. Are you talking about the briefs the, he's wearing on the outside of his yes, tights? Yes, the briefs, or? no. Uh, okay. the, the, the story itself. I mean, all of these are short stories. Um, and this one will pick up. It's not like there was a good close to this they they leave you off and kind of a cliffhanger um but yeah it's definitely uh interesting it's interesting not just because you're getting this new uh 
this new writer who is, of course, known for his Marvel work, but it's interesting because they throw something at you in that story that changes the Superman mythos. It's a nice little tease. As an anniversary issue, as an Action Comics 1000, overall thoughts as the Superman fan? Did it, did it do it justice, if you will? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think lived up was, to the hype and the name a, and the... A, a great way to do it. There were a lot of really good tributes. Um, it, it gave a lot of different creative people an outlet to, to pay tribute to Superman, who is, um, not everybody's favorite superhero for some reason, but <laughs> certainly, um, you know, perhaps the most recognized and well-known, um, likely you know in in the world and so this this handful of writers and artists um got to pay tribute and they all did it in their own way and all of them you felt that they were in fact you know paying tribute to this character good good uh, this is the first time i've ever picked up a superman comic but i wanted to be a part of it because uh issue 1000 is such a big deal and I know how special Superman is to a lot of people in the world, and especially here at the table. So I'm just excited to uh, share in it and uh, check out some of the cool stories and maybe read some more in the future. Excellent. My favorite story in the book was the never-ending battle with Superman facing Vandal Savage, and it traces mm. their interactions throughout the years, and it reflects the different costumes and styles yeah, of Superman. Good throughout the years, and I did go back and look, and it was drawn by the single artist, so oh, that's cool. he was able to do that, um, and that was uh, Patrick Gleason was the okay. artist for that, that story. Um, that, was, yeah, that was really cool. Was... Yeah, and the, the, the one thing um, that's important to DC, to the, the DC Universe in that story is that it, it mentions something, and this has kind of been mentioned recently in some other some other areas, but it uses um, uh, hypertime, which is one aspect where, where DC is saying, and this came up in Metal with, with Batman, um, but it's saying that everything has happened. All, all of the things, all the stories that have come before, unless they were specifically meant to be like uh, an Elseworlds or out of continuity, they all <coughs> happened. They're all canon. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of a confusing uh, way to, to look at it if you're looking for one, one continuity, one steady continuity, you know, what happened and what didn't happen. Um, but they're using the, the hypertime situation in that particular story, which is saying that it's uh, that it's all happened. You know, it's all it's all canon. And DC seems to be taking that approach to their books um, now. Not not right off the bat in Rebirth, but they've kind of they've been leaning that way, where they're saying if it's been written. You know, it's it's yeah. happened. <laughs> See, the Lego Batman movie did that same sort of thing, where it made references from you know comics and Adam West and yeah. Michael Keaton and you know uh, everything that's come before it, where it's just like, yep, that was Batman. This is Superman. Superman, everything happened. For me, I've read Superman off and on throughout the years. Um, 
I, and as a kid, I liked Superman. There got to be a time when Superman seemed to be a little overpowered for the for everyone else, and they didn't seem to leave a lot of room for a lot of tension within books because, you know, <laughs> who's going to stop Superman? Um, but I thought this book was great. I think it was the perfect sort of um, just historical sense of saying Superman has touched many people's lives over all the thousand issues that have been written. I mean, the, to me, one of the, my favorite stories was the first one. <laughs> yeah. From the city that has everything. It was the perfect sort of statement that people have loved Superman for years and that now we're celebrating that love affair with Superman that, that the fans have had. To me, the best pieces were the ones that touched my my heart, my emotions, and so that was one, um, the fifth season, with um, Superman returning to Krypton for the last time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that was, I think, a really emotionally well-written sort of piece. Um, and uh, the people have mentioned already, faster than a speeding bullet, we get that sense of the urgency for Superman of saving every single life, even you know, and that every time there's a failure to him, that's a failure to himself. Um, and certainly I enjoyed the last story, which gives us a picture of what we're going to see <laughs> as Superman takes on some new images with Bendis coming to, to write the book. So overall, I thought it was an incredible thousandth issue for, it was the, I, I can't see anybody doing a better job of giving us a celebration at 1,000. And to think that that comic's been around for 1,000 years is just <laughs> um, quite the I, milestone. I, I don't, Napoleon What's that? I, I don't think that's exactly accurate. What's that? Oh. I, I could have I I, sworn. I think, that's, I think that's not quite. <coughs> well, enough about Superman. Let's talk about Superman number 45. Um, that's the next one. <laughs> yes, it is. I brought this one to the table um, just because... Um, this, again, just like action and comics, um, we're seeing the end of one creative team and we're moving on to another one. And uh, Superman 45 is also you know, the end of one creative team before another creative team takes over. And um, they, they do uh, a, a nice job of um, doing um, just a, a one-issue, you know, all by itself story to kind of tie it up. It, it feels like, you know, like that's what they're doing is they're just, okay, this is our last issue and we're finding a nice way to, to do that. Um, I think it's, uh, in a way it's kind of sad that they release this in the same week as action comics 1000 because kind of gets it, overshadowed, way, but, overshadowed. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's a nice kind of touching way to do it. You know, it, it starts off in centers around, um, uh, them selling the farmhouse that they had been living in, um, even before the whole Superman reborn thing where, uh, Clark and Lois and John were living in this, uh, farmhouse that was, you know, so many miles out of Metropolis, not the old family Kent home yeah. in Kansas, but uh, but another one because they wanted to raise John kind of in that way, and uh, you know fairly recently they moved back to Metropolis and uh, just to kind of get get things back to 
little bit more how Superman has been. Um, so they've they've come back and they they sold the farm. So it's uh, their last time, you know, packing up their stuff and saying goodbye to the farm and um, and everything. Now they they still have some ties there, so they'll be in the town and everything. But uh, but it was a nice way of you know of saying goodbye for this creative team. Good, good. Um, then I think we'll move over to the Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman, number three. And this is the continuation of the story of Batman and Wonder Woman investigating the murder of uh, one of the kings of the fake people, the Fomorians. And they're in the Celtic world of Tirnanog. Um, again, this story is just one I'm just can't wait for the next issue to, to come out. The artwork is still breathtaking. Um, there's a scene in there which shows how this city is actually a prison for uh, these creatures and they cannot flee and it's only by the power of the god, the horned god, that he was able to bring Batman and Wonder Woman in to solve this mystery and just, a, you know, continues to be a great story and a beautiful book. And um, again, Liam Sharp is the writer and author, artist for this, and uh, with, I forget his first name, Fajardo being the inks and colorist on it. It's, again, beautiful book. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 799. Yes, Part three of Go Down Swinging, and we're still wondering who's going to go Swing. down in the end yeah. um, in this book. This series has really cranked up the tension, I think, and power almost in every issue. It yeah. goes a little bit further in, you know, showing us a red goblin that's nearly unstoppable. Peter thinks he comes up with a brilliant idea of how to stop him. No way. And, um, and the end of the book is in some ways shocking um and people i don't want to give any of it away but it is yeah it's one more turn <laughs> to the crank just <laughs> when you the thought it couldn't get, get anymore it, yeah, yeah it's just keeps getting tenser and tenser in the in the storyline and um really well done so i'm looking forward to number 800 and the one thing I really loved about this issue, as represented on the cover, is the return of someone who, uh, her book was canceled maybe over a year ago, uh, Silk, Silk yes. a.k.a. Cindy Moon, a big fan of her. Actually, when I met Dan Slott a couple years ago, that was one of the few things I said as an introduction. I said, thank you for Cindy Moon. I've uh, liked her character, met all of her creators for her solo book, and since her book was canceled... Uh, she uh, basically hasn't been seen anywhere, and it was, uh, even though she seemed knocked out on the cover of this uh, issue, it was fun to see her uh, right yep. away on the opening page as part of the, the heroes kind of rallying together of uh, Spider-Man sending out his friends to protect his friends and family. See, he's been forced not to be Spider-Man. He yeah. tries to go around it by getting someone else to handle the job. So yes, very much anticipating the next yes. two issues, which will close out uh, Dan Slott's epic run here in the on the character. Uh, book brand new from Image is Skyward Number One. Imagine if we lived in a world where there was no gravity. That is how our main character um, Willa, I believe her name is, was born into. Just as she was a baby, as you see in the opening. 
uh, teaser of this book is that her parents uh, just having a, a regular normal day until all of a sudden, poof, all the gravity's gone and the world goes into chaos and we jump into a uh, maybe like a mid-teenager, maybe a late teen um, representation of the, the baby in the beginning of the book who is now on this cover as she has known nothing but a world without gravity and you see how the world has adapted to that. And uh, yeah, it was a fun uh, first issue. I kind of picked it up. You know, the cover kind of drew me to it when you just see, you know, someone just hanging upside down, but, you know, floating upside down, as you would imagine there, and just kind of hearing that synopsis kind of kind of drew me in. I'm not familiar with any of the creators here, but uh, um, it was definitely a great first issue to Skyward number one. Uh, I'm going to move over to Infinity Countdown number two. Number two. Yes. Katie, you want to take it away? Nope. I yeah, have not well. read it yet, so please oh, okay. Thank you, though. I um, appreciate it. We're, uh, the, as we saw in the first Infinity Countdown now, the stones are spread into a really interesting configuration of who's holding on to what right now. Um, we're given a little opening thing that Ultron has the Soul Stone, which is pretty interesting. Um, Turk Barrett um, it has the Mind Stone. Uh, the Super Scroll has the Time Stone. Black Widow has the Space Stone. Though in the first issue, Wolverine had the Space Stone. So now we've had it swapped off to um, Black Widow. He left it in the toilet. Yep. In the toilet <laughs> tank. So. Drax is, uh, got, is guarding the Power Stone. We can't really say he has the power yes. stone. He's, not, he's not holding it. It's not just present, you know, not in his pocket or a pouch. In his head, so. Yeah. And Captain Marvel has the reality stone. So what's interesting so far in Infinity Countdown is the earlier Infinity War series, at least in my memory, were mainly two sides against each other. You have Thanos, who has the Infinity Stones, and everybody else trying to stop Thanos. We're getting a real picture here that this is not going to be your father's infinity war because <laughs> it seems like just about everybody in the cosmos wants a piece of this stuff so yeah we're gonna say, a lot of characters that aren't normally in a cosmic you know story are presented in here as uh, having it but also we have you know other people other forces out to take them away from people so it's uh it's gonna be an interest i think People should read the countdown because it's setting up a very different kind of understanding of the Infinity Wars than we've seen in the last couple times we've had them. <laughs> now, and with that first Infinity War just being a singular, uh, with Infinity Wars, they're really amping it up for that plural to mm -hmm. really explain why it is wars with an yeah. S. But yeah, I, uh, there's, a, there's a moment in the book that I really liked. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> there were lots of good moments, I think, in the book, you know, the, that... Um, that catch you by surprise. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm definitely uh, digging that one there. And then you also want to bring to the table Dead Man number, number six. six. which ends a six-run series, except it leaves you wondering, where are we going to go from here? <laughs> um, anybody who's a Dead Man fan, the fascinating thing about number six and this series as a whole is you've been presented for a long time with who Dead Man is. He died supposedly, in a, um, somebody killed him while he was doing his trapeze act. He ended up in Nanda Parbat, 
um, being trained to be a, basically a ghost that goes out and changes, saves reality by entering people's bodies. Um, in this final issue of the Six Run series, he's back at Nandaparbat, meaning Ramakrishna, who supposedly was the one who gave him all his powers in the first place. But just like in Star Wars, when Luke says, almost everything in that sentence was wrong, almost everything we've learned is wrong about Dead Man. And that's what is really fascinating. This book, um, for people who follow Dead Man, who really enjoy him as a character, this charts a whole new path for where things are going. So if you want to know where Dead Man may be going in the future, we don't know for sure because they end it kind of up in the air, but it's going to be real different than where he's been. Yeah, good. I think that'll close it up for the non-spoilers section. And now, the news. Well, today at the Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles, it was an interesting afternoon as, uh, you know, people were shopping the racks, and I was sitting there reading on the couch, and you were working behind the computer, and Kurt was doing some inventory. Everybody was, you know... Had something going on. One of the customers kind of came up and had a couple books that he wanted to buy and put them on the counter and just kind of, kind of, kind of seemed like he was going to browse around a little yeah, longer. Yeah, first he, he set his books up on the counter. Um, actually, an interesting thing when he first came in and he kind of looked over the counter and everything. My first impression was, oh, Kurt knows this guy. Sure. Yeah. Just because he ninety percent of we, the, we have you know certain customers of the dudes like with beards that come friends in. and whatever and and he looked you know like Kurt's type one of one of, yeah <laughs> he was one of Kurt's type no um but he just kind of looked and um you know people that come in for the first time and whatever they look around a certain way and whatever and then people who are familiar or know me or know Kurt kind of come in and are a little bit different. Uh, he came in, I guess, a little bit more confidently and like with that... He was comfortable there. Like, as as though there was that familiarity. And so I thought, oh, okay, this is somebody Kurt knows. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then he didn't say anything and Kurt didn't say anything to him, you know, other than the, the initial greeting when that we do when anybody walks in. And he went and started browsing around. After a while, yeah, he... he came up and he put some books on the counter and um Chris, you know all set and he said well i'm, I'm gonna get these but he was gonna look around at some other stuff highly encouraged <laughs> yes yes yeah yeah always even when you think you're done yes if you want to just take that really. last look around and just just double check um you what you forgot <laughs> and then as he was he was if i'm remembering this correctly he was walking past the counter and yes in our counter we have um some of our, we, we've got these little glass cases that make up, you know, we've got a big glass display case and then we've got these small um, glass display case things that sit on the top and that make up our counter. And in those smaller ones, we have some of our higher higher priced comics, uh, things that are marked up for either they're, they're signed or it was a low run or it's just something that's well sought after. And uh, so he was walking by this, and he kind of looks down, and um, I'm trying to think exactly how I put it. Some, something like, 
like, hey, that's my book, or... It was something along the lines of, like, hey, yeah, that, I've, I've worked on that book, or I I, I've done, I made that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was something like that. And, and of course, then we, we look and we see which book it is. And the one that he was referring to, um, not not Gumby on our all-ages rap. Yeah, it was very close to Gumby, so it's just like, all right, he maybe worked on Gumby, but it wasn't it. But I looked, and um, the book in question here was extremity number one yes um and it just happened to be that this is the uh the the retail um incentive uh, exclusive retailer appreciation variant um with the shiny gold foil uh title and stuff like that so um so he says it's it's his book and um you know that he had worked on it and everything and um, but then he like kind of just casually walked off into like near the toy area, and that left us three just yeah, kind of looking at each other. And we're like, wait, wait, is this do, a joke? Do like, we know who this guy is? <laughs> um, you know, and and I, I'm the worst with it, anyways, because I've never been one to really pay too close of attention to writers and artists. I know a good book when I see one. Yep. You know, I'm I'm horrible with names to begin with. So, um, so I don't pay that close of attention. You know, sometimes I'll know, you know, like we were talking earlier about Superman and Dan Jurgens. It's a name that I know because I read so many of them and he did it for <laughs> so long that, that I would just know. Um, but I read a lot of other books that, that he did that I never really went, oh, this is Dan Jurgens. Okay. Um, so I'm horrible with that. Um, Anthony, you're much more into, like you will buy stuff. Based just off of a name. Yeah. Oh, you know, so and so is on that book. I'll buy three of them. <laughs> <laughs> An example in the current previews: Nancy Drew, number one, a title I wouldn't normally be drawn to, but being written by Kelly Thompson of Marvel fame and Hawkeye, and she's doing the Ghostbusters book at IDW. That was one thing where I'm like, oh well, I'm going to give it a shot because I like that writer. You'll, you'll at least try just yeah. about anything with that name on it. Um, See, and I just, I look for things that, oh, there's a character that I like, or, oh, that looks good. You know, I, I judge a book by its cover. Or, um, <laughs> that's why covers are important in comic books. That's right. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I had no idea, you know. And I, I certainly don't recognize most uh, most artists and writers and stuff by, I don't, I don't know what most of them look like. Because I might recognize their name on a book. But I don't, I, I don't know a lot of. Them. And that's something you don't even get. You know, once in a while you get a picture in the back or something, or if you get a hardcover trade paperback, you may get an author page and stuff like that. Or if you but, read aftershock, they always have pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they yeah. want to make sure you know. But, but I'm, but I'm more of the person who you know I'd recognize the name after a while, and and eventually I'll see the face and go, oh, that's not what I pictured at all. Um, so I didn't know who this guy was, and. You know, he's uh, um, kind of talking about working on the book. And, yeah, then we're all kind of looking at each other like, <laughs> who do we have in our in our midst here? Um, and it's, and, and, and there's more than one person that worked on this book, too. So, so I'm kind of looking at the names on the title and going, which one is he? And I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't take out my phone and did a quick little search on the extremity title to see who we were dealing with. And, and, and once he 
gave just a little bit more information yeah, on yeah. what he did on the book, then then we were able to look and go, okay, now so we know who we're dealing with. Once we did all the research and all kind of get into this boiling point and, you know, he kind of stirred that pot and all right there we all kind of realized, ah, Jack Kirby walked into... Oh, wait, that wasn't Jack Kirby. <laughs> no, that was, that was, it was Daniel the, Warren only if Johnson. Could rise from the grave. <laughs> it, it, it was, in fact, Daniel Warren Johnson. Yes, he is the writer and artist for the Extremity title. Um, he has a webcomic called Space Mullet, which is uh, space-mullet.com, which is all available for free there, which had a an award from one of the websites for 2013 for being a best comic of the year. And, uh, but yeah, it was kind of interesting the way that kind of developed of just, you know, all right. Uh, I saw the picture online and be like, well, he sure looks like this guy. So unless he's going around saying, Hey, I look like this career. Yeah, I'm I look a little sign bit like, yeah. like him. I'm just going to go graffiti some, <laughs> some comics because he did actually say, as we're talking, he says, I'll sign that if you want. I said, sure. well, oh, I, I'm not going to pass that up. <laughs> so I clear off the counter. I pull out the book, and uh, we, we hunted for the best Sharpie we could find. <laughs> um, because we've got plenty here, but they're all kind of dulled down. <laughs> we, we wanted something that, uh, that want could, we, could, we wanted something you could sign it with, not like have a big you know ink smudge thing that you can't see what it is. Um, so, yeah, he signed it. And we uh, we talked a little bit. Turns out he's from Chicago, but uh, he's apparently he's got some family up here. Um, so he just Googled, you know, he's looking for a local comic short uh, comic shop to uh, check out. He Googled it. We popped the up. The best one popped up. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, top of the list. <laughs> and uh, and so here he was. Um. And yeah, he came in, he, he signed the book for us, and we were talking, and he seemed, he was very friendly, um, very easy to, to talk to and whatever. We didn't want to bug him with a bunch of stuff, you know, we weren't going to like uh, pull out a table and have him sit down and start <laughs> doing a book signing or anything. But we had waters and snacks ready, at the ready, just in case. As we always do. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and he started kind of walking back to look in this room, and I... <laughs> I look back and, and, and I went, think, no, 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 yeah, not that. Because you get, you know, I, he asked, you know, if we we do like magic and stuff like that here, and so we were we were talking a little bit about uh, that stuff. Yeah, I did mention our our, uh, our game nights and everything I, else. I uh, promoted this podcast in the club. I had mentioned that to him as well, and did a little plug for it. We we did. I didn't think he would. I, you know, there's part of me that thought, well. Maybe he'll swing back in it for, but he, he didn't. there's still time. Yeah, we're not done yet. As I'm written, we're waiting for you. Up. Please yes. come back if you're listening. <laughs> uh, but no, actually, it would have been fun to just. Actually, it would have been fun to just kind of go through the the club like normal, but talk mm-hmm. about it and get somebody else's input. You know, because we don't. I don't know which which titles he's read Presently and what on. what what he hasn't. But to talk to somebody who's done work for marvel and and you know yeah, he's and, done and some covers for stuff. the cable issues as of uh recent cable issues yeah he, he did mention that and uh i even went over there and looked and we've got some recent ones but a lot of what we've got left are um like variants, variants. And, and stuff like that um so there wasn't much should have called me i could run over with my cable issue. Uh, <laughs> yeah stall <Stolen>. yeah <laughs> 
Uh, and, and Anthony is going, oh yeah, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really have anything that he's worked on <laughs> until you were looking, um, after he left, Anthony is sitting there on his phone. He's, he worked on what? What was some of it, like Man Thing? And yeah, like well, he was credited, and I still haven't figured out because there is a uh, Jermaine Peralta. I think is maybe how you say his name is the artist in there. So I don't know if there were some pages that maybe he did a couple panels. Sometimes they'll do that if they have flashbacks that a different artist will jump in. Uh, but I couldn't get like a real. Uh, refined source of like grabbing everything but there was a couple things from the collection being like oh and extremity was always one of those books that you know i always heard great buzz on with all the different titles i get it was always one of those bubble titles that it's just like well someday i'll get to it you know of, of the thousands of books that anthony reads <laughs> yeah, yeah that's like it, it was the one that it's like come on <laughs> i looked and he didn't do any silver surfer so i'm like ah, <laughs> you haven't hit the big time <laughs> to heck with this guy you know it's just He's no Jack Kirby, but no, uh, but yeah, like looking at that and, uh, I would, I also be lying if I said, you know, I didn't want to you know, maybe place an order for a trade paperback of extremity through Crimson Call Comics, but no, but yeah, you had said, well, we, we do actually, we have, uh, we have the first issue. Okay. Yeah. Um, in the and, case, son. Yeah, and it's fine. <laughs> so. Should have bought it this morning. Uh, and, uh, I, I did Kurt slip out yet or is he, he did? Still? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we can talk about it. And no, I, I put it back in the case and everything, and Kurt's like, "Why'd you put it back in there?" Because right away he's like, "We'll, we'll have to well, raise the price." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now we gotta see what it's worth. Fine. <laughs> so, so if you want it currently, this thing's going That's for a hundred. It, it, it's currently going for a hundred and eighty dollars, um, and we have not marked it up yet with the signature. So hurry on in before Kurt goes. Hey, it's actually worth three <laughs> hundred. So come on, it's a deal. Um, but uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was he was pretty cool. You know, very he was very inviting. The, for, for him to come through could easily be like, oh, I just want to get some reading material. He's kind of out of town, just kind of in the area, like you said, visiting family. Could have just breezed in and out. But you know, he made the kind of mention of he thought when he saw that in the case that it was highlighted in the front of the case, something that he had worked on, something that was you know a a more rare book, you know, with that kind of, you know, it was already at a, at a decent high markup, you know, for its, you know, for the kind of book that it was. So for him to kind of go out of the way and kind of add to the conversation and, you know, he brought on himself is what I'm saying. Yeah. He says, Hey, I'll scribble (laughs) on that. And then, and then besides that, um, he, then, you know, he, he purchased his, uh, his books that he, uh, that he grabbed and put aside and, and everything, and um, and then he autographed our uh, our point of sale system out there uh, when he paid with his credit card. <laughs> so now you can just so you can buy that you can buy that too. So, yeah, do you, anybody that wants a copy of the receipt, it's got. The <laughs> uh, we have his digital auto- autograph. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, like you said, he's a Chicago writer and artist. Uh, we, him, and I talked about C two E two. I looked on his page and. Uh, he posted a lot of interesting commission art, and you can follow him, um, Daniel Daniel Warren Art. Daniel Warren. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, but like I think the, it's Daniel the, the Warren Art is like you know at Daniel Warren Art as well as Instagram. He's got a lot of stuff on there. Instagram is probably a you know a good avenue if you're into like the art and everything. It's a good, obviously, great way to check him out there and get a quicker view of what he what he's done, but. Uh, 
But yeah, I'm uh, interested uh, with the upcoming cons, with as many as I go to in the Chicago area, that I'll definitely be putting uh, Daniel Warren Johnson on the uh, on my guest list, and I am uh, already bookmarked that uh, Space Mullet comic to check out his webcomic and get a little more familiar with the, the guy that uh, happened to check walk out in. At the his comicsology page, he's worked on Cable. All right. I think you mentioned that one. Um, Shield... Um, yeah, it was the fiftieth uh, anniversary for Quake Number Secret One. Secret history. Okay. Um, and then some space mullets listed. A book called Alabaster. Um, Eve. Um, source book. Um, and Ghost Fleet. Are some of the other titles he's worked on. Yeah. So between those and some of them that you had listed off when you were looking on your phone and everything, uh, there's there's definitely um, quite quite a bit of work that he's. Uh, that he's done that are things that um, customers here at the call have have been picking up and, and reading. So, um, so I mean, it was it was great, anyways. But um, but just to know that that somebody passed through here because you know we're we're still pretty new and whatever. And this, to the best of my knowledge, is uh, is the first person you know um, who's who's actually out there working in the industry that's that's come in and. Um, uh, so it was great that that happened, but it was uh, but it was great that he was um, so uh, so wonderful, you know, that yeah. come come in and he was he was able to just talk about it like like anyone else, you know, that's that's in in the store and um, comes in and strikes up a conversation. He was very personable. Yeah, and uh, you had mentioned like the new point of sale uh, computer out there and all that kind of stuff and. Part of some of the things going into the future of Crimson Call Comics, uh, whenever you're a customer and you uh, you know put your books up and we tally it up for you, uh, one of the questions we're always going to ask is, have you created any of these books here in this case? So expect that to be <laughs> that, that, you know, yeah. And, and actually, the standard there was, question. Uh, <laughs> he he wasn't here. Which Ken, books you know, do you write? <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like super busy. There was a guy who had been in here for quite a while looking. The rack, looking, going through the back issues and everything, and um, and when he finally came up with with his uh, selection of things, you know, right away, and he had been here for the whole whole thing, so we asked. He him witnessed right away, the circus. So which one did you? <laughs> so which one did you uh, work on? But yeah, it was definitely good, and I'm excited to uh, check out his work. And if you want to check out a bunch of other people's work, we can jump into the June previews catalog. Yeah, we'll just page through the previews and look for his work. Yeah, we're just going to search uh, just for his. It's going to be, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so we did the uh, part one last week, which we covered Marvel, uh, Dark Horse, and DC. This is going to be part two, which we go through. I do have some things bookmarked, uh, things of note. Feel free to jump in if there is anything that uh, you had uh, pointed out. IDW is where we're going to start, which is page 162. Um, I highlighted that because I think something, in case you had missed it possibly, I knew you were going to talk about it. So. Yes, okay. Um, so the TV show from BBC America, Orphan Black, ended last year on season five. Um kind of wrap things up. We got to see a little bit what happened uh, to the characters after they had finished the storyline that was going on for five seasons. Um, some fans were like, you know, we love these guys so much, we definitely want to see more. And so coming up, we have a new Orphan Black comic. I do believe I've seen it billed as season six. 
is called Orphan Black Crazy Science Number One. The writer is Heli Kennedy, and the artist is Fico Asio. Traveling the world to cure 274 sick Lita clones, brilliant scientist slash couple Casima and Delphine fall deeper in love and deeper into a mysterious agenda which threatens to tear apart their noble mission and their hearts. So it picks up where the show is left off, and it gives us a vacation-themed cover. We lost, last saw them on a tropical island, and um, that is going to start at $3.99. I'm really excited for it. I've read other Orphan Black comics. They had um, kind of a tie-in to Season 1, which gave you background on all the characters leading into their appearance in Season 1 um, for something between, I believe it was 3 and 4. Um, it talks about the Helsinki event. Um, and that was just called Orphan Black Helsinki. One of the characters made it into the show. Um, and then recently, so last year, starting in the summer, finishing in this spring, um, they had Orphan Black Deviations, which is from IDW's um, kind of out of continuity, what would have happened if this key event was different line. So I'm really excited for this. If you like the show, I think you'll really enjoy the comics, even if you've never read another comic before. It's super easy to get into, so... Cool, cool. I didn't have anything else specific in IDW. Uh, any of you gentlemen have anything to I noticed know? this one, and I'm kind of holding off and waiting for it as a trade. Oh, that'll be good, too. I, I don't know whether Black Hammer is an IDW or Aftershock, but... Uh, it, um, actually, Dark Horse, isn't it? Oh, okay. Maybe? I, I think that sound, it sounds like a Dark Horse one. Okay. They, they've created a whole kind of alternate universe of heroes and the primary storyline of the whole universe is that in this attack by this huge, almost godlike thing destroying the city, all the heroes suddenly disappeared. And the whole line of comics follows what happened to all these heroes who just disappeared from Dark the face of the earth. Dark Horse, yeah. Um, and Black Hammer is often mentioned, but we don't really see Black Hammer and suddenly they've introduced now Black Hammer as part of that. So I am following that over in Dark Arts. All of the all of the comics that are kind of connected to that, which includes uh Sherlock Frankenstein and uh um Professor Star. Um, <laughs> it's been mm -hmm. an interesting series. Uh, over an image, uh, one of the things that they highlight for Gem of the Month, something I'm excited about, uh, big fans of Mark Miller and Olivier Coipel, as they have a new series premiere under the Miller World banner, which is going to be the first time that uh, partnering up with Netflix, part of the huge deal that uh, Mark Miller and his wife had signed over uh, their company, and they have this collaboration. Uh, we're talking about Magic Order number one of six, we live in a world where we've never seen a monster, and the magic order is the reason we sleep safely in our beds. Magic meets the mob in the magic order as five families of magicians sworn to protect our world for generations must battle an enemy who's picking them off one by one. And when I talk about the collaboration with Netflix is that these things are being developed as Netflix shows and are also being developed as comics. Mark Miller has said the comic is this year, the show will be next year. And it's uh, interesting, you know, he, a lot of his work has had that sort of trend uh, in the Miller world of uh, just with something like Kingsman really taking off and Kick-Ass and Wanted. Uh, and then he's had other new titles that are still in development, all in different uh, worlds, whether they're television or in movies. And upon signing this deal with Netflix is going to kind of... Uh, 
really kind of push that to the next level of uh, kind of almost I like it's one of those like chicken or the egg like I don't know it, it almost sounds like the magic order kind of was developed like he definitely writes for adaptation I, I read uh on, i believe in his twitter feed that this was sold as a television pro- project okay and he did not want to wait until the te- television project was ready so it became out as a comic yeah and that's you know a lot of his stuff is almost like every time he drops a new number one um that day you'll get the news that oh sold out at the publisher and it's been picked up by this company <laughs> and and so he, he's very much in that business and uh it's probably I also ordered it. Um, I didn't even pay attention to the fact that it was going to be a show. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. the the um, the artwork that they pre- premiered. Yeah, the artwork and also just the description of what yes. the story is about was, I thought, just a fascinating piece. So I just said, "Well, let's give it a try and see." <laughs> yeah, Olivier Coipel, uh, who did do some work in the Action Comics number one thousand. I met him a couple years ago. So this is one of those instances where I'm drawn in by the writer, but then I see the artist as well, and so it's a perfect marriage to have these two working on a title together. So that was one thing that caught my eye in Image. Anything else from Image from around the table here? There are other Gem of the Months. That was one thing that really, what I'm excited for, and it's on my my list. Shanghai Red looks interesting to me. Um, A story of... Basically, how things used to happen, where they would kidnap people off the streets of uh, Portland and Seattle, you know, to make them slaves on the shipping industry, and this is a story of a girl that that happened to. Historical setting in uh, what would it be the 1800s? I'm not sure how more specifically we want to get on that, but all right. Uh... Anything else from Image? As we'll jump into Dynamite. And, um, I saw Charlie's Angels, number one. Has Charlie's <laughs> Angels been a comic book before? I don't think I, so. This one, I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not familiar with the creator, so I'm not per, uh, personally getting it, but it was one thing I wanted to mention and ask that question. Before we actually get into Dynamite, I just want to note that this is a new, new thing for this, with this issue of the pre- previews. That dynamite and boom have been moved up to the beginning part of the catalog rather than in the alphabet medical listing. Yeah. Are they preparing for when DC branches off into their own catalog, which I know they have announced. Oh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure much like the Marvel one. So yeah, they maybe they, they, they've become premier taking up some real. Sorry, I laughed about publishers. that. Charlie's Angels in the comic <laughs> seemed a little absurd to me, but I'm sorry. That's just my well. <laughs> I, I bring it up with, uh, we talk about, I mentioned Buffy a lot, uh, you just talked about Orphan Black, things that have existed as TV shows, properties and movies that are ending in live action, where stories can kind of pick up, so I was just... Uh, well, it might be one. interesting to discuss sometimes, I just think there are certain things that lend themselves to the comic media, and I think Buffy and Orphan Black fit into, you know, a, a kind of story thing that would... Fit. Charlie's Angels, I'm sorry for me anyway, <laughs> just doesn't seem to <laughs> be something that would convert very easily. Over that. And, and it's the, the original Angels and yep. set in the 70s. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't have any attachment to it, but that's uh, interesting. That, that could be 
an avenue for someone being like, there's a Charlie's Angel comic. Appeal to boomers, I guess. Boomers seem to have a real attraction to things that they remember from years ago and they love to see it come back. And so, Well, yeah, know. of course. Every once in a while we get somebody that comes into the shop for whatever reason. They were just, oh, I wanted to check it out. I don't really buy this stuff or whatever. Or they're, they're here because they're gift buying for somebody else and they'll see something like that and go, Oh, I didn't know that Charlie's Angels had a comic book, and you know, and then you never know. <laughs> Which is a great setup for this because in the early days of uh, Crimson Call, very early, I remember there was a customer looking around. She had mentioned she's like, "Oh, I'm not really into comic books, blah blah blah," and I from the couch had said, "Well, I think there's a comic book for everybody." Half a second later, she goes, "Ooh, Nancy Drew," because there was a Nancy <laughs> Drew comic on the shelf at the time, and that was kind of interesting. I bring that up because in Dynamite. Coming Nancy out in Drew. June, Nancy <laughs> Drew number one, which I promoted with uh, Kelly Thompson as the writer, and Jen Stayange, I think is how you pronounce her name. She is the artist. I know her name from uh, being the artist for the Bingo Love trade paperback by T. Franklin. Um, so both of those talents are coming on to uh, Nancy Drew number one. Something, once again, I have zero interest in the Nancy Drew world. I've never... Had anything Nancy Drew, the closest I'd get was probably Veronica Mars in the sense of the Mm -hmm. style of what kind of Nancy Drew uh, is. And with Kelly and Jen's name on the books, I'm definitely going to give it the old college try and uh, read something out of my wheelhouse and uh, give it a shot. You'll you'll have to let me know. I'm interested when I saw the Nancy Drew title and I didn't order it. But, I mean, I used to read some of the books. And I'm wondering if... Is the appeal to a younger audience to try to re-present this character to a new generation, or is it to try to capture people who read it when they were younger, and so you're going to, in some ways, alter the character so it would be more appealing to adults? So I'm kind of interested in, in how they would approach that as a and, and based on like Kelly's writing and uh, books from like Hawkeye and Rogue and Gambit and the kind of style, I, I could see her kind of having this kind of breathe some new life and kind of bring in those new people. And uh, and I'm not going to have any info on, you know, it says an all-new modern spin on a classic okay. mystery icon. So, yeah, I think it's going to be updated for the times as far as, yeah. Well, that I would, I, I'm just interested in what age group are they really yeah. targeting. Are you targeting people who read it as a kid, so you're going to make it a, a slightly more mature book, or are you trying to introduce to kids in this generation a character who was popular 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Um, that would be a very different kind of book. Yeah. So, yeah, that will be uh, coming out from uh, Dynamite. Anything else from Dynamite that catches your eyes? We will move right over to Boom. Uh, Boom, uh, this one caught my attention, once again, with the writer's name. John Allison has this new title called By Night, number one of 12. He is the creator of Giant Days, which is uh, something I always say when outside of superhero, sci-fi, horror, all genre type of uh, comic books, Giant Days has been my favorite ongoing series, and now he's got a new uh, limited series here. Um, Let's see here. Aspiring documentarian 
an actual chemistry major, Jane has recently reunited with her former best friend Heather, amateur urban explorer, when a trip into an abandoned industrial building leads them to another world. Their plan begins to unfold, create a documentary about the world, and become filthy, filthy rich. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the name John Allison, Giant Days creator, that's all I needed to uh, jump into his... New title from Boom. I'm looking at it kind of from an angle here, but the uh, artwork looks interesting too. Kind of a Christine Larson. Kind of a Hanna Barbera sort of look yeah. to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely with like the coloring and everything there. So, um, for any fans of Planet of the Apes, there's Planet of the Apes Visionaries by uh, Rod Serling. This is being adapted by comedian Dana Gould. Um, I had heard him talk about his passion for. The Planet of the Apes, and this is taking what the based on the original script by Rod Serling and adapted by uh, Dana Gould. It's a graphic novel. It's a presents an alternate version of the classic film. Um, so I think if anyone's in that Planet of the Apes wheelhouse, that uh, this might be something intriguing for them there. Um, Garfield uh, has a new uh, miniseries coming out. Um, I don't know if it ties in with Spider-Man Homecoming, but it's called Garfield Homecoming. <laughs> uh, we last seen Garfield and uh, Grumpy Cat Maybe have we'll a little crossover. Maybe we'll have a cameo from Iron Man. Hey, there we go. That would definitely sell Iron your book. Cat. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's coming out. So if anyone likes Garfield, I figured I would name drop that. I know we have a couple readers at the store that are into Power Rangers. So there's a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Anniversary Special Number One on page two ninety two. Um, so yeah, that's uh, with it being an Anniversary Special Number One. There's a couple series that are going on. This is a forty page uh, anniversary for seven ninety nine. So uh, there's a lot of Power Rangers going on in comics from Boom right. there. So I'm sure if anyone is into Power Rangers, they're probably already aware of this. But uh, sometimes some things may slip through the cracks of these little one shots here. Alright, gonna jump over to Aftershock. They have a new series here uh, called Lost City Explorers Number 1. Uh, lost cities aren't just the stuff of myths. They exist hidden right under your noses. But when a mysterious expedition is disrupted by supernatural activity and on... And, uh, and... <laughs> antic... Antic... Swimming? Swimming. I've never said this world. This world. We're running Here we into go it. again. <laughs> this is about the time that we. Uh, Aquatic? No, uh, antiqu antiquities. Yes, antiquities. I have never seen that word in print. I've never said it out loud. <laughs> this is a monumental moment in my life. All right. So, to increase your vocabulary. Yep. Everybody. So, what she said, <laughs> Professor goes missing. His teenage daughter and her friends must become underground urban explorers. Follow his tracks on a coming-of-age journey through subterranean tunnels and ultimately find the holy grail of lost cities, Atlantis, buried right under New York City. New York City? <laughs> the Goonies uh, meets Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention that. Uh, when you look at the cover, you have like that Goonies, Stranger Things yeah. type of vibe. Yeah. So, and those things are very relative, and I could see that being an easy sell. Uh, by taking that yeah. tone. So that's one thing I figured I would name drop there. Anything from Aftershock from the table? 
I'm reading a lot of Aftershock. Aftershock, yeah. I think, does some very interesting series, and um, I've been pretty impressed with some of their comics. Yeah, they've been drawing a lot of big-name creators, kind of, whereas normally, you know, a year ago, they would have been doing image books. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, with Boom and uh, Aftershock, definitely uh, other publisher avenues for them to publish their work. Uh, one thing that I extremely want to advertise, on page 328... Uh, Jim has mentioned, uh, noting that here at the store, here around the table, we're all fans of Alterna Comics. And while we do club picks, um, talking about events, uh, and, uh, miniseries and things like that for Marvel and DC, he made the excellent suggestion of throwing in an Alterna Comics title. And, uh, we're definitely going to do that by spotlighting... It came out on a Wednesday, number one. Focusing on horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, this bi-monthly ongoing double-size anthology, that's a whole lot of awesomeness in one condensed (laughs) sentence there, features the best and brightest upcoming creators. Each issue features stunning cover art, interviews, ongoing stories, a comic contest, and previews of upcoming alternate titles. And the best part? It comes out on a Wednesday, of course. $1.99, $1.99, yeah, $1.99 for this 48-page uh, bi-monthly, uh, you know, that's the normal, traditionally the release schedule for uh, the yeah, Alternate yeah, Comics. Yeah, most of them are coming out on that kind of schedule, um, and uh, $1.99, well, that is a steep price. Exactly. For Alterna. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are yeah. we ordering this as a club? To, uh, okay. This this will be a club pick. It'll All be right, offered so. as a club pick. So for you, <laughs> for you listening, um, if you're unfamiliar, club picks that we uh, put out there are offered at a, a special club discounted price. If you don't reach a certain tier for your subscription uh, pull list, which offers discounts. The club pick is kind of an interesting way to kind of honor some discounts by ordering comics by coming in and uh, participating to the much as you are allowed to. Obviously, we always say that. How can that. you discount $1.99? <laughs> <laughs> we'll find a way. Yes. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this comic has caught our attention around the table as we have a lot of aspiring writers and artists uh, that come into the store. And... Uh, but yeah, this is something that they had offered uh, submissions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like most companies do, but Alterna, you know, if you visit their website, they'll have a spot right on there that uh, lets you know what their criteria is for submissions. But this book in particular, um, they are looking for submissions. You know, a lot of their other books, they've, uh, they've built some sort of working relationships with some... Uh, uh, some creators, writers, artists. Um, it came out on Wednesday. This specifically put out a call for, you know, putting putting out your submissions. And um, you know, I I don't have all the the list in front of me, but you uh, retain the rights to your your creations and and stories. They they publish it and whatever. But then you, it's it's yours. Um, beyond that. Um, so if uh. If you're listening to this and you've got um, a story that you'd like to tell, um, check out Alterna's site and look for the, the submission criteria on there. Um, not just for the, it came out on Wednesday, but for, for other things as well. Um, but uh, these are, of course, short stories and they're looking for, was it 12 
12 pages, just, give or take. Give or take, you know, and they'll take it on a case-by-case. That's the number of pages that they threw out there. Um, probably figuring their book would just be the perfect length if all of the stories were 12 pages. Um, but yeah, they, they said that's fine if some are a little shorter and some are a little longer, really depending on, on what it is. But yeah, you're probably not submitting a 32-page story to this particular uh, book. And uh, one fun little teaser that... Uh, this uh, past week, or past week, yeah, a couple days ago, um, I'm currently on page six of a possible pitch that will be presented for this title. So I've uh, been kind of working on a story that I've uh, kind of writing and outlining and kind of prepping for a pitch for my artist. And uh, so, yeah, that's a fun little tease for that. So um, Another spotlight, uh, Alterna has this other comic coming out called Metaphase Number 1. The groundbreaking graphic novel makes its single-issue debut. Uh, Ali, a boy with Down syndrome, wants to be just like his superhero dad. Unfortunately for Ali, his father doesn't want him to get in harm's way. Enter Metamakers, a company that gives people superpowers. But at what cost? Uh, so yeah, this is another one of those Alterna comics, and... Uh, so we usually kind of spotlight the new number ones that show up in the previews. And this one's even shorter than most. Um, it's, it's only two issues. Um, so if, if you're going to check this out, you're not tied down to, you know, six issues, 12 issues, or an ongoing. Issues. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's two issues. Um, like a lot, some of Alternate stuff started out as uh, they put it out there as a graphic novel. This was one of those cases. Originally, it was released in that format. We had it here at the shop and sold out. Um, and this is the first time it's being released in single-issue form. Um, but yeah, a lot of their titles to either um, become trade paperbacks afterwards or um, have started out that way because Alterna started doing more you know, like graphic novels and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So... Um, but uh, single issue format, uh, that way it's new. Also on page 328 from um, Alan and Unwin, there's a book called Giants, Trolls, Witches, Beasts, Ten Tales from the Deep Dark Woods. It's a graphic novel, and it is a take on ten different fairy tales from across the globe retold as comics. Um, I saw it because I thought the subject matter looks cool, but I've also been enjoying comics that are sort of based off of existing stories, um, such as like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, the Penny Dreadful adaptations, and just those kind of stories are really fun to me, so that looks really cool. Giants, trolls, witches, beasts, you will encounter them all. So, alright. Um, I didn't have anything highlighted for the rest of the book. Anybody have anything they want to start uh, throwing out the there? page over. Um, it's still in the Alterna column. Um, the Wicked Righteous is coming to an end with issue number six. Um, this is a title that I came became aware of, I think, around number three. And knew it, knowing it was coming to an end at six, I waited. And now I've put all six issues on my list so I can read them all at once. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, that one uh, miniseries, it'll be ending there. They got a original graphic novel for The Trespasser, which uh, I believe is... Is I, I saw is there Trespasser is one that uh, that we had actually I read that that was like that was really good that was uh, possibly even my favorite of the alternate titles. Oh, nice. um, I really enjoyed that. My biggest complaint with Trespasser is that it ended too quickly. Hmm. Um, the, I have heard that uh, 
they are at least considering the possibility of a continuation of it. So. There you go. Um, anything else in the catalog? Feel free to shout it out. You don't have to shout. You can just talk in your regular voice. Um, I'm surprised that you haven't mentioned it, but on page 343, <laughs> Archie Super Teens versus Crusaders. I do have it on the list. I do have it on the list. Um, yeah. Um, Archie and uh, superheroes. I'm not too familiar with the past superhero stories they've done within the Archie comics, so this will be my dive into that aspect of it, but but yeah. Um, you know, one thing I'll mention too, not a lot of pre-orders for them, but uh, there's, there's a lot of Trump comics where, you know, people take shots at uh, President uh, Trump, and those, a lot of times, that's a good example of where somebody comes in for something, buying a gift or whatever, and they'll see that on the rack, and they'll sell. Well, we have a former president in here. We have uh, the Barack Panther, so that's in the previews also. This is uh, a tie-in with those uh, Trump line of books of the tremendous Trump and the incredible Trump and... All of these takes, these parody takes of uh, superhero origin stories uh, thrown into uh, his life. And uh, yeah, now they're expanding on that with that line as well. So um, I didn't look closely at yes. it uh, this time when I was looking through it. But uh, also for people who are interested in Doctor Who stuff, there is yes. a whole segment within this catalog if you want to come and look at it. Everything... From fan magazines to novels to um, CDs of Doctor Who stories. Um, and occasionally, uh, because I start at the front, and when I run out of money, <laughs> yes. I just stop. <laughs> I don't always get to the Doctor Who stuff. But um, when I have, I've found some real gems in there. So if people are interested in Doctor Who and you want to stop and look at the catalog, there's certainly a lot, of, lot for people to pick up on there, including Doctor Who comics. Yes. Yeah, and those are, those are things, too, that a lot of people don't uh, consider when, you know, you think of a comic book store, you think, you know, mostly just that, maybe some action figures, but the fact that these, you know, previews catalogs and offered through Diamond and all that is that you can get so much stuff and uh, things that, you know, outside of the comic book world, too, so yeah, definitely is a good source. Things that you naturally wouldn't see on, like, a Walmart shelf, um... A lot of things that are buried within the catalog, so always worth a look. Yeah, there, there's a lot in here <laughs> that if you could pick just about anything that you think that you might find here, um, think, oh, well, they'll have that at a Walmart or something like that. There's a lot that they won't carry at Walmart, and the previous catalog flipping through, there's a good place to find those items. Um, sometimes just the uh, you know, previews exclusives on, on Pops and um, some of the other action figures and collectibles. Some very unique things, like at Christmas time, I they had a, a series of short stories called The Twelve Days of Doctor for oh, Christmas. So cool. you, they had like a Doctor Who story okay. for each day. So yeah, as we kind of close out this uh, previews catalog, uh, once again, offered at the store. I take uh, each Sunday or Monday and highlight some of the publishers and a couple of the picks we talk about here. Some other ones that I don't mention um, will be presented on the Facebook page, uh, Crimson Cow Comics on Facebook. 
And uh, yeah, it's a pre-order system to ensure that this item will be uh, reserved for you when it comes in. If you subscribe to a certain amount of titles, then uh, there's different uh, discount tiers you can qualify for. And uh, to always make sure that you get something that you really want and don't want to risk going in and having it be sold out, or maybe that happened to be a title that wasn't ordered because there's a million other things that come out that same week. Pre-ordering, looking through the catalogs is always the best way to go. And that uh, goes right into the reminder of something that we uh, advertise on the Facebook page. We talked about it last week, but uh, we have the upcoming wedding reception for Kitty Pride and Colossus of the X-Men. For X-Men Gold number 30, that will be a club pick that we will uh, dedicate an entire uh, club discussion and a very special episode that we will do that turns into a reception and party gathering afterwards, which, yes, includes cake. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's something that you can look through the catalog. Uh, we're going to have the uh, cutoff for the June previews coming up within this next week here. So it's highly encouraged. There will be one extra shout-out for it on the social media as well. But um, uh, X-Men Gold number 26 is part one of this story. So gold number 30 is part six. Um, it's hard to tell, kind of like, you know, I mean, every comic is always usually uh, introduced as, you know, kind of catching you up, you know, with the previously on and things like that. So even if you are uh, just diving in with issue number 30, if you don't normally read the series, good chance, you know, we're going to kind of catch you up here at the club and always feel free to ask questions. And like the comic wedding, you are invited to our celebration. That is true. <laughs> yep. And uh, like I had put on Twitter and stuff like that, you know, Marvel's having the wedding, we're having the reception. <laughs> so yeah, that's something, and it all kicks off here with X-Men Gold number 26. So if you want to get on the ground floor, this is the time. Otherwise, feel free to pre-order issue number 30, and, uh, and uh, we'll have an entire episode dedicated to this very special moment. And not likely to be crashed by supervillains. <laughs> Hopefully not. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that is that. Um, before we close it out, uh, speaking of ads, we do want to talk about the, an event that's going to happen before that, which is going to be on Saturday, May 5th, which uh, the first Saturday in May of every single year is going to be Free Comic Book Day, and we host that here at the store. Yes, we do. Um, yeah, we'll have a good selection of free comic book uh, comic books here. Um, so come on in, get your free comics. Actually, uh, every, every customer will get two comics because Ooh. one comic we will be giving to everyone except for Jim is uh, <laughs> Amazing Age number zero. Uh. Um, Would you I, give one to me too? Because I got one in the mail this morning. Did you? Did you I uh, was part of the Kickstarter as well. Okay. So. <laughs> um, no, and 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 we would give one to Jim. Jim just said that uh, we, yeah, we didn't have to because he's he's Same already here. got it. Um, because yeah, they did uh, make that a possibility uh, because of a, a Kickstarter, and uh, so Jim helped out with that. Anthony helped out with that. Uh, the store pitched into their Kickstarter, and so we have uh, a ton of. Uh, Amazing age number zeros to hand out. Cool. So everybody will get that, plus your choice from our other selection of free comic books. And what if I wanted another comic book from that free comic book day stack? Well, see, the great thing about that is uh, beyond those two comics, uh, for every $5 that you spend in the store, 
we will give you another uh, free comment. That answered my question. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be coming up on Saturday, May fifth. It's always an exciting time. I know last year it was you know pretty close after the opening of this uh, storefront, and it was pretty exciting uh, business wise. Just cool seeing stuff, a lot of uh, Guardians thing, a Turtles comic. Uh... Um, yeah, there's always a lot to bring it in, you know, it brings in a lot of new people, um, and it's always a good way to uh, get into some comic books, so if you're uh, new to comic books, and uh, feel free to jump in and uh, celebrate with us, and always ask questions, because we can always uh, point you in the right direction of the best story for you, like Nancy Drew, or Charlie's Angels, or... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it may be. Yes. Um, but yeah, so all that will be happening on Saturday, May 5th. So save the date. And also save the date for uh, um, X Men Gold number 30, which is June 23rd. Don't miss the reception. Yes. June, <laughs> June 23rd, I think, is the. Uh, Are we all going to address this? June 23rd, yes. <laughs> May, May, May 5th. I should. May 5th, free Jeez. comics. Yes. <laughs> June 23rd. Free cake. <laughs> what better? What more can you ask for from Crimson Call Comics? So I think that will wrap it up for another issue here at the club. I've been Anthony. I'm David. I'm Katie. I'm Jim. And just like two hours ago, I'm still Kurt Stan. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.